What is up, Reborn Podcast? Here we are. My name is Ashley Horner. I'm here with my co-host, Ms. Lena Del Rey. We have Hello. an awesome show today. I'm really excited about our guest, Mr. Jack Carr himself, author. Extraordinary. He served in the SEAL teams for, was it 20, 20 years? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. He served in the SEAL teams and, and he got out, retired, and he became a, a New York best, yes. uh, New York Times best-selling mm-hmm. author. Four t- three times in a row? Yeah, I don't know. All of well, them. He's he, getting ready to have his, a fourth book. His out. fourth book hasn't come yet. He's about to be it's a fourth time. Yeah. It's about to drop, I think it's next week, 15th or 16th of yeah. April, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, soon. So uh, before we get into the podcast and talk a little bit about Jack Carr, uh, we're going to do Happy Hour Woo! at American Brew. This is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And Lena just crushed her workout, so we are... I'm ready to cra- crush have some alcohol. We're actually not having whiskey today. No, we're doing a champagne. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you can kind of cut like whiskey. So this one is one of our springtime specials here at the brew. It is called our Buzzing Mimosa, I believe. Or no, it's our Spring Buzz. Um... It's a nice day at Virginia Beach, and so we're going to celebrate with some champagne. So this one's super easy. It is a two-step drink. All it is is two ounces of St. Germain elderflower liqueur. So I'm doing ours in a champagne flute. You want to put in a solo cup, a sippy cup. (laughs) I don't care. Whatever you got on you. Just two ounces. Woo! Did you hear that, listeners? It's the sound of fun. Pop the bubbly. I haven't had champagne in a really long time. Two ounces in my flute. I'm just going to eyeball it. I poured four ounces out. So, And then you're Sh- going to top it with some champagne. Yes, ma'am. Then you're going to call it a night. Call it a night <laughs> or day. We're getting the day started, Lena. I love starting my day with champagne. If I could every day, I would. Ooh, yeah. And that's it. And if I- you want to decorate... Mine's not bubbly. With some berries or some cute mm-hmm. shit. Go ahead, girl. I see a <laughs> party. Uh, so I'm really excited to have... <laughs> Cheers. What? Oh, hold up, hold up. Your I only filled Lena's up like halfway. She has a brimmer and she like <laughs> filled mine up halfway. I'm like, what is this? Oh, yours foamed to the top. There we go. All right. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Um, I really want you to read the terminal. I know. List. I want to. I don't know to. what kind of I'm books a big you're reader, into, actually. But uh, believe it or not, it I, I'm a big so bookworm. Good. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Jack Carr mm-hmm. and Chris Pratt. Mm. More so Jack than Chris. Love you, Chris. Mm. <laughs> That's tasty. So you Delicious. definitely taste the champagne, Sorry, but the the heaviness from the liqueur, the elderflower. It just tastes like spring without the allergies. You know, the good parts of spring. Yeah. It's all uh, elderflower. It's also the St. Germain. I don't yes, know. Yes. St. Germain, elderflower liqueur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. That is delicious. Um, refreshing. So, Jack Carr, I was introduced to him uh, probably not not so long ago, like six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I got his first. Uh, Were you introduced to. Uh, with through Ironclad, a blue actually. He read all of his books okay. whenever he was over the pond overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, read all of his books, and he just was just telling me like how how great they were. And um, it it takes a lot because I have a hard time like with my mind. I'm always thinking about work, or you know, if it's not work, it's mm-hmm. like the kids or something. 
it has to be like the book has to be that good where it grabs my right. attention from the very beginning. Or and you're not going to put the investment in. Yeah. Or I'm not going to sit there and, and read it because I'm going to be reading the words, but I'm going to actually be thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his books are just, they're so, yeah, fantastic. Um, and I, I'm really excited to interview him today. Yeah. I was telling the boys on the beach, because it's spring break here, and all three of my boys are actually downstairs right now at American Brew. And uh, I, I told him we were out of the beach playing, and I said, I was like, guys, I got to go in, and I, I got to interview uh, Jack Carr with they're my like, Reborn what? podcast. I know. They're like, Mom, are you fangirling? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, but I, I was really, really excited to get him on our schedule for the Reborn podcast. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm wanting to kind of dive deep into kind of his uh like how he thinks when i this is the first author that i've ever right. interviewed. interviewed um and the writing process and how know, that works right. and his uh when did he start and I, like the, his books are pretty thick and so yeah they're big boys i i can imagine like it has to take a really really long time to write a book i don't know maybe not maybe he does it and, uh, some I feel like some people are just you know like they have that passion they mm-hmm. have that gift and like just comes easy to them not to say that they don't work hard because yep. I'm sure he's had to put in lots of time and hours and mm-hmm. drafting and redrafting and you know sending it out and telling like no fix this but mm-hmm. some people just I mean have sometimes that gift I, and sometimes I have a hard time writing a single social media post that's just a paragraph long I mean there's a limit to how long that you can write because I'll be writing and then I'll either the the boys are yelling at me or <laughs> you know somebody will call me right. in the middle of me posting and so I just find it so fascinating um, how he is able to put just so to sit down and to put so much time and effort right. into these books. And, um, he has three of them currently that are out. I'm on the third one. I've just started Savage Sun. I'm on like chapter three or four, very into beginning. I'm going to have to read these. My dad's a big reader too. Yeah. So, and he loves stuff like this. I can, I can let you borrow yes. the terminalist. The I first one, that. you have to give it back. I will give because it back. he personally signed an autograph oh my for God, me. So. <laughs> yeah. What if I like stole it? No, I, I will never, I will come find you. She'll come me. Like the, like the, lead character (laughs) I will I'll turn into James Reese and haunt you down um but uh great books and then he has the fourth one coming out Devil's Hand um that it we already talked about that it's coming out at the end of middle end of this month uh Mm -hmm. and then he also has a TV series coming out an Amazon series starring Chris Pratt yeah Chris Pratt is the love you Chris if you're listening to this Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan Uh, Chris, if you ever find yourself in Virginia Beach, you have to stop by American Brew. Please. I will make you the best cappuccino of your life. (laughs) The pressure. There's Uh, no pressure. I will do anything for my man. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All right. Well, you heard it, folks. And we're going to get into the interview with Jack Carr. And cheers to that. And let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Jack. Jack Carr, welcome to the Reborn Podcast. It is truly an honor to have you here today. I'm a huge fan. She was of, fangirling. I, yes. Yep. She was fangirling oh. before our podcast today. You, you might be my first like, <laughs> fangirl that I, I'm, I'm really excited. I just, I'm in, so inspired by you. I really look up to you just not only as a, a person who you are, but uh, how you've just created this path and like this purpose uh, after your time serving our country. And you are just a remarkable leader, um, a great husband, a father, 
And so I want to start off the podcast. Um, can you kind of tell the Reborn listeners a little bit about who you are uh, and what it is that you do and where kind of like where your career started? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited for this. And I'm yes. super excited to have you on my podcast, which oh, yeah, uh, you're part of the Ironclad family now, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, we're all part of the same family, which is awesome. And uh, I have so many questions for you. So I, I'm, I'll save <laughs> I'll try to save them for my podcast. Okay. I'm so excited to, to talk to you because uh, the same thing, like I've been, you know, see watching you from afar. And it's just so impressed with what you're doing and how you're doing it more importantly. Um, and it's just been so cool and so inspiring. So I'm thank you. fired up to have you on mine too. And I get to ask you all sorts of questions about <laughs> on the business stuff too, like okay. entrepreneurial stuff. Like I'm totally like, cause that's what writing is. Writing is an entrepreneurial venture. And I didn't realize that until I started. Uh, I thought it was like, you went to the mountains and wrote a book in a cabin and sent it to New York and then they published it. And then you started your next one, but wow. it's really everything you needed to do would need to do for any business you have to do as an author. So although the budgets and advertising and, and the, the marketing and the social media and the engagement and the building that readership, like it doesn't just happen magically. Uh, right. And if you rely on your publicist and your publisher, who are very good at like legacy media type things. Um, you're probably going to be disappointed if that's mm. all you do. So mm. I have all sorts of questions for you about that. Okay. But well, I'll, I'll be nice. I'll be, I better be nice then because like if I, you know, hammer you hard here, then I know I'm going to get the same treatment. <laughs> so. Oh no, no, no. I'll be taking notes. That's why I, that's why I, I really want to ask you all these questions. Like it, it increase my, uh, my knowledge of, of these things. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, I was in the military for 20 years and wanted to do that since I was a little kid. Um, uh, when I first found out about what SEALs were when I was seven, I was like, that was my path. I just knew it. That was a calling, kind of like writing. It was a calling and I listened to that calling at a very early age. And I think my parents thought that I would grow out of it. And actually at my retirement ceremony from the military, I started off my little talk by telling my mom that uh, I've finally grown out of it. Um, <laughs> so she, yeah, so she, uh, huh. she <laughs> appreciated that. Um, but from age seven on, and I think that started with my, my grandfather who was killed in World War II. Mm. Um, so I grew up with pictures of him and his squadron. He was a pilot and had he flew this plane called the Corsair, which is the one that had the wings that would fold up like that on the aircraft carriers. Very cool. Uh, and uh, so I, I had pictures of him and his squadron. I had like maps they used to give aviators back then, which were silk, because if you hit the water with a um, uh, one that was paper, it would just mm -hmm. disintegrate. So you had these ones that could get wet. So silk maps, uh, his medals, cool. that sort of thing. And then there was a show on TV called Black Sheep Squadron with uh, Robert Conrad playing Pappy Boynton, who got the, the Medal of Honor in World War II flying the same aircraft as my grandfather. So that was like my connection to, uh, to him. And so from a very early age, I was always going to the military found out what SEALs were, was on that path. But remember, we're in the 80s right now, so it's like there you can't go jump online and like research Navy SEAL. Like it just <laughs> doesn't exist. So you have to actually go to the library. You have to like learn the Dewey Decimal System. You have to pull out card catalog stuff. You have to go and research. And you can't just do a word search in a lot of these books or SEAL or BUDS or whatever else. You have to actually read these books. And mm -hmm. there's very few books back then that mentioned SEALs. So there's magazine articles, a couple of newspaper articles, uh, some videos that the Navy had done in the late 60s during Vietnam that highlighted what frogmen were doing back then in a very pivotal time in special operations history. So I just devoured all that as a, as a kid and also was drawn towards fiction, towards novels, towards thrillers. And back then, authors like Tom Clancy, David Morrell, Nelson DeMille, AJ Quinnell, JC Pollock, Mark Olden, they all had protagonists with backgrounds that I wanted in real life one day. So they were SEALs yeah. in Vietnam, they were Special Forces guys in Vietnam, they were CIA guys in Vietnam. And I loved reading these books. 
and I always knew that one day I would write them after the military. But what I didn't realize is that during that time, I was giving myself an early education in the art of storytelling. Like for me, I was just enjoying it. You know, a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. I'm just enjoying this journey of this reading journey. Um, but what I was really doing, looking back, was giving myself this education in the art of storytelling and that I experienced that magic through that lens that hadn't really been, uh, uh, you know, diluted through, uh, through, through all these experiences later in life. I got to experience all that real time growing up, st reading those, studying things in the nonfiction space on warfare, terrorism, insurgencies, counterinsurgencies, and then jumped into the military. And then, of course, after September 11th, got to add a little experience downrange to that as well. So that's the uh, that's the background. That's so cool. <laughs> How long after, um, like, when did you start writing the the series, The Terminalist, which I, um, I read The Terminalist. It's awesome. Can't wait for the movie. Um, by far, like, the best books that I've, that I've ever, ever read. So... Um, and then I, I read the second one, which is, uh, what was the second one? True Believer. True Believer. Yeah. I just finished that one last week and I just started Savage Sun. So, um, I, and, and you have a fourth one coming out, The Devil's Hand. It's dropping. Is it this month that it's dropping? That's right. I, yeah. April 13th. So right here. And this wow, one is on I can't. I, yeah. Uh, you'll be one of the first that I'm going to send like four or five out today in these, uh, packages yeah. that are kind of like pretty cool, like branded packaging things. And, uh, so yours is in that first group of like five that I'm hoping to get out today. So oh, that's you'll be such one of the first honor. to get this with a couple little, uh, other things in there that are, that are special for you. So, um, so that is that's coming your way. So cool. Shortly. Thank you. So when did you start, um, when did you start writing the terminal list? Was it after you had gotten out of the teams and you retired or, or did, did you start kind of did it start developing in the mind before you actually put uh, the pen to the paper to write it? How how was that process, and how long, uh, like how long did you start? And after you got out of the team, so what did that look like? Yeah, so I came in in '96, got out in 2016. Um, but my last Iraq deployment, when I was a troop, so I started enlisted, um, became an officer like six and a half years in, and then my last Iraq deployment was as a troop commander, um, and we shut down Iraq at the end of 2011. And I got back from that and realized, took, picked my head up, and was like, okay, uh, my family needs me. We have a middle child with some very severe special needs that needs 24/7 full-time care forever. Um, and I realized that, hey, if I stay in, I'm going to go to some staff job. I've managed to stay out of those. Up to this point, uh, I'll go to some staff job and then circle back around as a commanding officer of a team, which sounds impressive. But uh, in today's world, you are really a manager in a tactical operations center, allocating assets, doing that sort of thing. You're not out there uh, tactically maneuvering guys on the battlefield. You're definitely not kicking indoors, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> So I realized that I've done what I came in to do. My family needs me. Mm -hmm. It was a good run up to this point, but now it's time to, to move on. So, uh, so that's really when I started thinking about transition. And those first 16 years or so were go, go, go. And then all of a sudden I came back, took this breath, made the decision that, uh, hey, it's time to get out. But I still had a couple more years left. And they mm -hmm. sent me to a uh, to BUDS as the operations officer. So that, that thing's running. Like that thing, like... There's not much to do there. Like the, the first phase, <laughs> second phase, third phase instructors, they've got it, yeah. you know? So, uh, but in that job, I got to see a lot of people transition. And I hadn't really, my focus for the first 16 years was just on being the best operator I could possibly be, the best leader I could possibly be, uh, the pendulum between family and team. It was it was on team. Mm -hmm. And because that's where it has to be. That's what you owe the, mm -hmm. owe the mission. That's what you owe the, the guys. That's what you owe their families, um, the country by, by default. Um, so in this 
job at Buzz was the first time I got to take a breath. I saw people transition out and have a hard time making that transition. Uh, I saw a lot of guys as the operations officer, they're always calling back saying, hey, can I come in and bring somebody for a tour? And I'm always like, yeah, totally, no problem. But uh, but at the same time, they, they couldn't let it go. Um, it was it's it's obviously a big part of who I am, um, but it's a foundation. It's something to build upon moving forward, not a place where I, I live. I'm not stuck there. But I saw a lot of people that couldn't let go. Um, so uh, so I, I noted that noted that and realized that, OK, when I make this move, we're going to flip that page and use that foundation, just like anything else in life, on which to build and move forward. Um, and that means probably moving out of San Diego. So we moved up to the mountains in Park City, Utah, um, can make a physical and psychological break with the military. But uh, point being, I took that breath and I already knew what I was going to do next. I didn't have to find it. So I was very lucky in that respect that I, I had this, this calling to join the military and calling to write. Mm -hmm. uh, and both are professions. I didn't look at either one of these as a, a career. Uh, it's called the profession of arms, not the career of arms for mm -hmm. a reason. Was that an easy transition uh, for you? Uh, well, I, just because I knew what I was going to do, I was mm -hmm. so passionate about it. And it's not like I just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to give this writing thing a try. It's like I'd right. done my whole life had been preparation for this, just like it had been preparation for the SEAL teams. Um, I didn't have to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Like I knew the authors that I loved and I knew uh, the the history of the genre. I knew which books had moved the genre forward, uh, what, what points in time. And um, so I, even though I didn't study it academically, it I had really, mm -hmm. but it was right. inadvertent and natural. Um, so I was, so I was ready to, I was about as prepared as you could possibly be, I think for the SEAL teams and for writing. Um, and that was just cause I listened to that, that voice listened to that calling. So I started writing it in December of 2014. Wow. I wrote down about, um, so now this is, uh, 15 to 16. So a year and a half before I, before mm -hmm. I get out, uh, about, and, uh, I wrote down six or seven different ideas that I thought would be, uh, that I wanted to explore. And then it was very obvious that the terminal list was the one to start with. So do you think, uh, I know a struggle, especially coming from like the pack mentality that you have and, and the brotherhood, a lot of people struggle to find that in the civilian world. Um, becoming an author and writing about the the things that you have written about and the terminalist and um, the the series that you've written about. Do you think the uh, does it does it feel like that you're still able to hold on to that and that you still feel a part of that? Did you have any problems separating and going into the civilian world? Which I know a lot of people, especially operators, um, it's kind of a, it's a shock. It's it's a shock when they go into the real world and it's just like you know. Uh, what well, I probably shouldn't even say the real world, but into civilization, whenever you don't have your brothers there, you don't have that core group of of people who just have your back all the time. How was that? And do you think that the writing um, and becoming an author and becoming James Reese, did that help you? Uh, did that help you with the transition? Absolutely. Like the writing was very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. uh, and for those that have read it, know, will know what I mean uh, by that. And so that really helped in that respect. Um, but uh, but it, yeah, it was it wasn't a tough transition, I would say, but just because I was so passionate about what I what I wanted to do next. Um, and a lot of guys have a hard time identifying what that next passion is. Uh, and a lot of the second novel, True Believer, is about that. It's a novel of redemption. About it's a journey of uh, trying to find that next mission in life, that next passion in life, learning to live again. Um, and and a lot of people I saw try to recreate what they had in the military 
on the outside. So uh, going into that, you have to realize that you're not going to. You're not going to be shoulder to shoulder with your brothers downrange in a firefight uh, solely focused on a mission. Uh, no, you're in, uh, it's, it's going to be different now. And that was, a, that was a huge part, very impactful for all of us. But now when we make this transition into the private sector, um, we have to know that just like anything in life, it doesn't matter. It could be a death of a loved one. It could be a divorce. It could be changing jobs. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's, mm -hmm. there's transitions we're all going to go through and we're all going to get knocked down along this path. Um, that's just normal. Um, so you have to realize that moving into the private sector, that it's not going to be the same. And I shouldn't try to recreate what I had in the military here in new job, whatever mm -hmm. that is, because if that's my expectation, then I'm going to be uh, very disappointed in how that turns out. So for, for guys that are transitioning out, um, I think it's so important uh, to take that breath and try to identify that that calling, listen to that, to, to, to that calling. Um, and then also, if you're trying to kind of figure it out, I think it's so valuable to do month-long internships in different industries, because if you think you want to, if you know what you want to do, as you're getting out, what's that based on? Is that based on like movies that you saw, TV shows, books that you read? Um, because that might not be the reality of what you're stepping into. You might have built something up that's not, uh, and you might be disappointed when you get there. So being able to go and touch, have these touch points and data points with different industries and spend some time in them uh, so you can say, oh, wow, I'm so glad. I didn't get out and jump, move my family across the country and jump into this job because it is horrible and it's not what I expected at all. You know, it doesn't look like, you know, whatever, law, you know, law and order. This is definitely not that. It, I totally had a mis, uh, misunderstanding of what this was going to be. Um, so being able to take a little time during that last year in and try to do these internships with different companies in the private sector so that you can say, okay, I can cross these off the list for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and coming up with what's important to you? Like what's is, uh, what, what's, what your next mission in life is going to be and being able to, to articulate that. And then also that helps because you can say no when right. you get an offer for something. And that's almost more important than being able to say yes, because you only have certain bandwidth. You only have limited, you have a limited amount of time. So for my wife and I, we identified what was going to be important to us. Uh, and that was freedom both financially and schedule wise. Yep. Um, and so if I got an offer and I had backups because, you know, it's, it's important to have, to have backups and contingency <laughs> plans. Um, so I had some and I'm glad I didn't have to exercise them because I'm sure I would be miserable. But but I had what, what were your backups? There's some financial uh, industry type stuff where I would have been awful at, <laughs> at it's all working for for somebody else you know right. and just and and grinding for for somebody else doing something that i wasn't passionate about but but they existed so that was just like it was important to have something that existed that we knew we could yeah. fall back on if if yeah. need be um but and identifying the two things that were important to us if something didn't hit both of them it was an instant no so hey, you could have this. You, you can control your schedule, um, but uh, but your the financial freedom part is definitely not going to be there. Or hey, the financial freedom part is going to be there, but you know what? You're not going to control this mm -hmm. schedule. So it was easy to be like, okay, no, and that allowed me to put all that bandwidth into the novels, into writing, into what I was passionate about, mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't like, okay, let's sit down, let's talk. Here's this opportunity. Uh, okay, here's where it is in the country, and we didn't have to do any of that. It's like, nope, didn't hit both. Nope, didn't hit both. Um, so that was was very beneficial to us as we looked at some of those some of those backups. But uh, but for me, the and I didn't really consider not succeeding in any of this. Uh, and succeeding is a weird word to use, but I guess um, succeeding, I mean, by meeting those two those two parameters that yep. we set, the financial freedom and the schedule. Did yeah. you so ever, really uh, it would work out. did you ever think or 
have the vision of your books becoming so exponentially huge. Bestsellers. Yeah, you're best a New, York, you're a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. That's insane. Crazy. Yeah, so I did. Um, and yeah, it's totally naive, of course, um, because people, just like with going to the SEAL teams, people tell you how hard it is. Uh, people tell you, you know, that 80% attrition and all that sort of thing. And in, in my head, when I came in pre-internet days in 96, like I thought a SEAL team was like six guys. Like I had no idea. Like I thought that six people and that was like, okay, there's three on each coast-ish. Okay. And there's some SDV stuff going on out there. I'm like, okay, I'll be one of these like 40 people in the world that's going to make it through and be in one of these teams. I didn't even really consider, uh, you know, what that really meant. Of course, there are a lot more than six people on, <laughs> on a team. And I realized that fairly quickly once I got to Bud's. But uh, uh, but I did. I thought I always knew growing up that, hey, I'm, I'm doing all this to prepare myself for, for Bud's and then uh, going to the SEAL teams and, and uh, you know, fighting for the country. Like everything I'm going to do is going to going to somehow lead back to to helping me along along that path. Uh, so same thing with writing. I, I never considered that these wouldn't be New York Times bestsellers, that an A-list star uh, and and, uh, and director wouldn't be uh, trans making it into a film. Like it was just that's what happened because that's the guys that I read growing up, and that was my kind of uh, that's just what I expected to have happen because why wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, like that's that's crazy to I guess think that way but uh uh but that's what i thought and i actually pictured chris pratt starring uh he's the only person i ever wanted to star in oh, it. um and that's because i had, said hi and that's weird because he was andy on parks and rec <laughs> i know i and, loved him on parks and rec yeah. he was so good and when i thought that so in december of 2014 january of 2015 as i'm starting to write i'm like okay uh he'd done that and he'd done zero dark 30 very small role in zero dark 30 but i was like this is the guy because he is likable and he is, and he's in that part of his career where he needs to do something to push himself a little more. He needs to prove to audiences that he can do something dark and primal and visceral and violent um, and push himself as an actor. And in my head, I'm like, yep, Chris Pratt. Uh, and I had no idea that there was a connection to him at all uh, until November of 2017 when a buddy from the SEAL teams calls me and he's like, hey, do you remember me? I hadn't talked to him in about five years. His name's Jared Shaw, awesome guy. And uh, I'm like, Jared, of course I remember you. How's it going? And he says, uh, <laughs> hey, I always wanted to thank you for what you did for me in the SEAL teams. And I couldn't even remember what it was. And uh, I thought, you know, <laughs> you're like, you're I, welcome. It's totally fine. <laughs> like, we totally would do it again. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. My pleasure. Uh, but he's like, he's like, you sat me down in your office. You talked to me about transition. You introduced me to people in the private sector. And no one else did anything like that for mm. me. I've never forgotten. I always wanted to thank you. And I was like, no That's problem. That's really important. Uh, yeah. How's it going? And he's like, well, I heard you have a book coming out. And I like, yeah, have a book coming out. I have this like galley copy thing, which is a rough draft I can send you. And, and he said, yeah, I'd like that. But I'd like to give one to a friend of mine. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Who's that? And he said, Chris Pratt. Oh, oh. what a friend to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I sent it to Jared. He read it. He loved it. He gave it to Chris and said, this is your next project. That is and so crazy like, how, uh, yeah, how yeah. everything is just kind interconnected. of interconnected. Do you, um, do you ever, I'm sure you do, but, uh, writer's block and, um, an inspiration, do you ever lose that? Or like, how do you, what it kind of explain that? And how do you overcome that? I'm really interested. Yeah. So I don't have time for writer's block. Um, it's like great with, yeah. So we have like three kids, dog chaos, you know, just like, you, you know, it's like insanity at any given time. Like it's chaos around here. Um, so, so I, yeah, I don't have 
time for like I have to maximize every single second. Uh, and I heard Stephen Pressfield, who wrote a book uh, called Gates of Fire, another one, Legend of Bagger Vance, Afghan Campaign, and a series of books on creativity. Uh, the first one's called The War of Art. He has a turning pro, do the work, uh, warrior ethos. Um, just an amazing, amazing guy. But I heard him say that in an interview once, he said, hey, you never hear of truckers having truckers block or mm. a dentist having dentist block. Like you're a writer, you're a professional. That's what you do. Write. So you think it's you think it's in your mind. You think it's in your mind of being like, oh, I have writer's block or or like what like what is it? Maybe one day I'll have this thing called writer's block. But I just think of it in terms of how Stephen Pressfield said, like a trucker doesn't get in his truck and all of a sudden get trucker's block and not able to drive. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I always wonder you're supposed to just like type and just write and like whatever the fuck comes out, like just go with it and just like don't look back because you find something in there. No, that's yeah, you've got to sit down and do it. And I think like maybe if you had, if I had the time and the luxury to have this writer's block thing, maybe I would. Mm-hmm. But uh, at this stage, there is no room for writer's block. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love writing. I sit, I'm not that's awesome. running out of any ideas anytime soon. Uh, I know where the, I'm writing the fifth book right now. I know where the sixth is going at the beginning, middle, end of the sixth mm-hmm. so that uh, no bandwidth is wasted, like worrying, oh boy, when I get to the end of this, <laughs> what's going to happen? Um, so worried about the sixth book. Like I'm not worried about that at all because I know where it's going. Mm-hmm. So all that bandwidth, energy, and effort is just focused on making the book the best it can possibly be. And so I, that's why I like to start. I have a title when I start out. I have a one-page executive summary. I have an outline um, that's uh, it's more of a guide than uh, than exactly like what's going to happen, but a guide, beginning, middle, and end, a few things I want to weave in there along the way. But uh, but then I just, yeah, sit down and, and get it done uh, and don't have to worry about the title. Don't have to worry about where it's going. Don't have to worry about where the sixth book starts. So I think I find that very helpful. Out of the four books that you have um in, including the devil's hand which one is your personal favorite yeah so the first one probably just because it's the first one but then the third one because which is savage son because that's what one i wanted to write first uh when i had those ideas on the table that i wrote out when i started um but i knew that the theme i wanted to explore in savage son which is really the dark side of man through the dynamic of hunter and hunted uh that the characters weren't developed enough uh to start with that one i needed to take them on a journey needed to introduce readers to james reese in the terminal list and then needed to take him on this journey of redemption in true believer and then when i got to the end of that i was like okay, now the reader is ready for me to explore these themes in Savage Son. And uh, the inspiration behind Savage Son was a short story that I read back in the sixth grade called The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell. It's an 1820. Oh, I know that. Yeah, so they still read it in a lot of of schools. Uh, But I loved it in sixth grade, and I always knew that one day I'd write a novel, a modern thriller, that paid tribute to that short story. So so that's the one that's probably most near and dear to my heart. But then this one, Devil's Hand, that one, so this one, I took a breath and and really explored something I thought about a lot in the teams and I continue to think about today as an author. And uh, that's really what has the enemy learned by watching us on the field of battle for the last 20 years of war. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we've been playing poker and they've been just circling, looking at our cards, looking at what we play. Like they've been taking notes over these last 20 years, watching us in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, other hot spots around the world. So that really formed the basis for this next novel, for this fourth one. And it was crazy. So as I'm writing it, COVID hits. And I'm like, well, the enemy is, I'm putting myself in the enemy's shoes for this novel. Uh, what are they learning from COVID and our response to this? And then the civil unrest of the summer hits. And I'm like, well, what's the enemy learning from that? And then a very contentious political season hits an election cycle. What are they learning from that? So as I'm writing this story that I outlined in August of 2019, uh, I'm writing like real time because I'm in the enemy's shoes. Uh, and so that was, that was interesting. And then I got to this point last October 
where I ran into a problem. So what I'm doing on the page is I'm aggressively solving problems on the written page, just like I did on the battlefield. Uh, so I got to October, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. Look at all this, what's going on in this country? Uh, and I was like, well, if I was the enemy, I might just sit back and watch. Like that is a very, uh, that, that is a course of action that, that they might you know, take, a very viable course of action. And so I had to figure out a tool, a way for them to strike, to move the plot forward that necessitated that they do it now. So uh, so it's it's constant problem solving on the page, but uh, different than on the battlefield. If I mess up on the page, I can come back the next day and edit. Yeah. So it's not, consequences right. are a lot less dire. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I wanna transition a little bit and talk about your movie. I am so excited about your movie. Um, how, like, kind of a, talk about a little bit like on on the set, where, where are you guys filming this at? Um, I don't even, when is it coming out? Uh, I, I just yeah. need all of the details. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm so really it's crazy. Excited. So it's uh, filming in LA and it was just there all last week. And uh, it's cra- there are 350 people on set. Uh, so 350 people in and around Los Angeles. And not all of them are from Los Angeles. A lot of them fly in for projects. Um, so 350 people are there on set making this happen. And it was so crazy. We were, film- we were filming from like five at night to five in the morning and then the next night six and then the next night seven in the morning. Wow. So it was all night and uh, it was like a reunion because the first part of the book first episode of this series uh, and it's an eight part series for for Amazon Prime and uh, it's uh, a ton of seals that I that I uh, served with are they they, were they they very good actors awesome so (laughs) they were okay yeah. So some of them are act like Jared Shaw, the guy who gave the book to Chris. He has an actual part, like a big part. And oh, I was so, so impressed. Cool. He's taking acting classes and he's so passionate about it. And he crushed it. It was awesome to see. Uh, and then the other seals on there, they're playing actual seals. So they're like, you know, blowing through these hallway things and, you know, everybody's feeding off each other, just like we would in real life. And, uh, and it, I, it, it looked so good. And then You're of course, they have explosions and they stunt people and they have these like wires attached to them, get pulled and they're spinning against walls. And the stunt people are crazy. Like the guy that, that, uh, doubles Chris, he's a big guy, but he is like so, uh, agile. He can like just jump and do these crazy flips that you'd think that somebody like way, I don't know, smaller would be able to do easier, but he's just like floats. It's crazy. But he had this one where he gets, he gets blown up and smashes his head against the wall. And he really smashes his head. Like you see it on video and he like really smashes his head. Like those guys go through. Is he, ton. is he playing a bad guy or who is he in the book? Can you so say? Who is Chris? Oh, yeah. it's his stunt. Chris played uh, James Reese. Oh, he's oh, oh, it's, oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Track so so his, yeah. His stunt double gets uh, like, Your, yeah, his stunt gets double of James. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, and so they've, they've changed it more from a uh, political thriller into more of a psychological thriller, which is a really great way to tell the story, I think. And I've been intimately involved from the beginning with the scripts and, and all the rest of it. So it was cool to see that whole process. But, um, but yeah, it's, filming in LA and it'll be filming for the next few months. And we have a crazy cast. Uh, uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger is in there. He plays a seal and he did a great job too. I was so impressed. I was so uh, impressed. When is it coming out? Yeah, sometime in 2022. I don't have an exact date, okay. but I think they, they uh, end up filming through the summer and then it goes into post-production and edits and all that sort of yeah. thing. So I think sometime in 2022. Do you have any conflict when you're on set and cause you've written the book and you have obviously like you've visualized all of this, you've dreamt about it. And you know, even your books, like it's so real and you do so good. Like it, whenever I'm, I'm reading your books and you know, the, ch- the chapter, it's just how everything is articulated. It is so real life. Are there any scenes as you're out there, you know, doing the directing and everything that you're like, no, 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 that's not how it is. Like, this is what's <laughs> supposed to happen. You're doing it all wrong. 
Yeah. Well, that's why they like to usually get rid of the author right away because they don't <laughs> want to deal with that. Um, but for me, knowing Chris and they uh, uh, are getting to know Chris over the last few years going through all this, uh, he wanted me involved from the beginning. So if he says it because he optioned it right out of the gate, then that's what happens. Um, so that was pretty cool. But they were, were skeptical, I think, at the beginning because most uh, screenwriters, showrunners, directors, their experience with having authors involved yeah, has not been been good. But uh, but for me, you know, just like I'm talking to you, I talk about you know how I grew up, all these books I I read and then I how I noticed the adaptations and I was like what worked what didn't like the book First Blood that came out in 1972 by David Morrell very different from the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie by the same name but both fantastic um, so for me I'm just I'm just happy to be here you right. know like they can do you know they want to put exploding robots from outer space in there yes guess what's coming in exploding robots from outer space uh, it's not like that but uh, that's kind of my point was I just want to be here to help however I possibly can to help move this thing forward uh, Chris wants to keep it gritty and real and dark and violent. Um, that was his direction from the beginning. And then Antoine Fuqua, who's an incredible human being, uh, he's directing. Uh, he did Training Day and uh, Tears oh, of the Sun, Magnificent movie. Seven, Equalizer, Shooter. Um, just an incredible guy. So he's on set. He has his uh, uh, technical advisor just with him, who's a former SEAL also, is a dear mm -hmm. friend of mine that uh, was out in Virginia Beach for a long time. And, uh, and so that's great. And then we have a technical advisor on set who's for the production, who's also a SEAL who I serve with, who's fantastic, who's doing all that action. So there's like checks and double checks and it was a really collaborative um, effort awesome. and what was really cool is that people like I'm standing with Chris and we're talking and people would come up and be like kind of a picture and I'd be like oh yeah let me, let me take it and they're like no with you uh, I'm like, yeah. no way and uh, I'm like Chris you take this um, and uh, so was, like, super cool you're like oh my you know they're like oh my my mom is a huge fan we yeah. signed a book for her my my son's going into you know marine boot camp and would you sign a book for him and so that was really cool and all of them came up and said hey we've worked a lot of different sets before a lot of films and this one is different and mm. like we can't I don't really know why it's different but it is it's it feels like a team and yeah. so many people came up to me to say that and a lot of that yeah, well it's Chris and Antoine at the top and just their attitude and their yeah. uh, work ethic all that just filters down to everybody else and then you have all these team guys on set so it was like a reunion right. it was like it was awesome so the feeling on set was just just incredible so That's it was so, super fun that's awesome. Well, so you, um, Devil's Hands coming out. Uh, where can people get this book? Where's where can where can everybody find it? So anywhere books are sold, uh, and it's audio, <laughs> ebook, and uh, and uh, hardcover. But uh, I try to push people towards independent bookstores because a lot of those bookstores had a really tough time, obviously in 2020 with no foot traffic coming through. So I have these special uh, book plates, which are like stickers that I sign that have a cool uh, like like design on them uh, that you can only get through independent bookstores and oh, people nice. can find that on my website at officialjackcar.com and it's there in the blog with links to those bookstores um, so there is is that and oh, one other thing on the movie thing also yeah. is uh, I have a cameo coming up oh, okay so I thought it was just going to be me walking by in the background um, like a little Stan Lee move moment I, yeah I thought that's what at the most but now it's evolved a little bit and I need to get in shape like I've been doing a lot more typing than I have been doing working out over the last couple of years. And now that this uh, this cameo has evolved a bit, uh, oh boy, Chris is in some good shape right now, and it's me and him. And I, need to, I need to start. So so I need to I need to be looking at your Instagram and like oh, seeing yeah. what you're doing and getting some information. <laughs> it's some inspiration from you because I need to. Uh, yeah, I need to get after it here. Yeah, let me know. That's what I do best is programming. So can whip know, you into shape so awesome. real well. And you do such a great job with it. Like there's so many like people on, on social media that are like yelling at me, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't, uh, why are you yelling at me? Is this? Uh, but you do it in such a great productive 
positive inspirational way like you you oh, are heading she's a real motivator yeah uh, like, it's so amazing so cool I, so I cool. appreciate so, a real motivator uh, yeah very cool. so uh what so what's next for you obviously this series with amazon is huge coming out sometime in 2022 we don't know but you better believe i'm gonna be watching it the very we'll have like a on. we'll have like a viewing night i know i can't no i probably need to just watch it by myself because you guys are gonna be distracting me um it, it, it but, looks pretty good like this first episode it's incredible the still photos from the things that people they, they uh, sent me that uh, uh when i wasn't on set like it's it's i'm fired up so yeah. cool i just i cannot wait i think it's just phenomenal what you're doing and um it's it's really impressive jack how you have been able to visualize all of this and and it's coming to life like even from a young boy of seeing these novels or re reading the novels and then going into the teams because you knew what you wanted to do and who you wanted to be wanted to become. And yeah. it's so important, the power of the mind. And uh, a lot of times we like to think that, oh, it's just, you know, either it's it's luck or it's, you know, you know, he or she just got lucky. And um, there there's something to be said about visualizing, visualizing who and what it is that you want to become and, and not stopping at any cost. And mapping out the road for success. And you have done a really, really good job with that. Um, after Devil's Hand in the movie, what, like, what's next? I want to know. Yeah. So it's book five and then book six and, uh, hopefully another season, uh, which will be the second book. Hopefully they're already talking about it. So I guess oh. it would depend on how the first one does, but I'm not sure exactly how it's going to do so amazing. It's going to do so good. Like, Let's hope so yeah, fingers crossed, but yeah, I mean, it's got such a great team behind it that, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm optimistic. I yeah. guess I, I do you have say. a title name for the fifth book and the sixth book? I do, but it's classified. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you already so, have like it this might change my editor might not like it so you <laughs> never know but at least i have one at least i have one have, uh, have you started working on that have you started working yep. on Wow. Yep. So working cool. on that. So working on the scripts, because even though the scripts are done for all the episodes, they still send them to me. Uh, so I'm, gonna, I'm an advisor, I'm an executive producer, and I'm an advisor on the scripts. Um, so they send them to me and we make little tweaks here and there. And then just like any plan, once you actually get on the ground, it things look a little different. And then uh, because of how things have evolved on the script before and the filming before, now you kind of got to morph something. So it's in a, it's like a, it's a guide yeah. is, is what a script is. It's not an exact, like, this is exactly what's going to happen. It's more of a guide that can be changed almost on the well for sure it can be changed on Very the fly cool. um so yeah it's pretty cool to, awesome. to see that but um but also the other the other part about the the lucky piece um is interesting because uh once someone cracks a door for you or lends, uh, puts that hand out like you've got to be ready so if yeah. you haven't done that work here if you spent all the time just worried about getting lucky or looking at somebody else and look how lucky they are oh, i wish someone else would give me that opportunity or open that door for me guess what when someone does that and you're not ready yeah you squandered that. Right. So regardless, you have you to be have ready to for the opportunity. Yeah. And maybe some, maybe no one ever cracked the door for you. Maybe no one offer, offers a helping hand. But if you haven't done that work here and they do, mm -hmm. then uh, you've got, you've got to have that, that work in place and you got to yeah. be ready to kick that door in. Yeah. When someone cracks. Yeah. I, I think it's uh it's being, being prepared and, and creating the opportunities for yourself. Cause you're right. If you just kind of, you know, lollygag around and become stagnant where you are, just think like, just keep thinking, hoping and wishing and, you know, play this like, oh, I don't know if I can do it or, you know, oh, woe is me or I don't know. You know, you're right. You're never going to do it. But if you have that mindset, it all comes back to the mindset and everything that, you know, your life has has taught you um, for the past 20 plus years or however many in, in um, the military and special forces. And then being an author and just having the mindset that, that you're not going to stop and seeing that and visualizing it and going after it. 
So yeah. you're a huge the success. Doing the work. Yeah, I mean, you're you're incredible, and it was it was such an honor to have you on today's Reborn yes. podcast. Um, I really I would love to meet you in person someday. I know that that opportunity will will come yes. about. Um, so, do you ever come back to Virginia Beach? I haven't been back since uh, since the teams, and we oh. used to live in Courthouse Estates down the road. So that's where we bought our first house back there, got our first dogs back there, nice. had our first kid back there. Um, so we have wonderful memories of yeah. uh, of being in Virginia Beach, and then it was a, a very interesting time to be in the teams and uh, surging downrange to Iraq and all that. So yeah. it uh, so we have some uh, so yeah very 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 close uh, kind of affinity to uh, to that area. To yeah, Virginia for Beach. sure. Well, yeah. I, I know no doubt that our our paths at some point will uh, cross in person. So I, I'm glad that we have connected uh, through Ironclad, through social media. And um, I'm definitely, uh, I, I'm so glad that I got turned on to your books and I cannot wait uh, to get more into Savage Sun. I, I'm just on like the first, maybe the third chapter. Um, so right. yeah, all of it. Yeah, it's like, it's it's awesome. And then get into Devil's Hand, so. Oh, you are. I can't wait to send this to you. Yeah, I can't wait to send this to you. It's so excited. So after this call, I'll go out there and I start putting these boxes together to to send out. So yours is in that first batch. Hopefully, hopefully goes out later today if I can get everything. If I can learn how to print labels, usually my wife does that, and she's (laughs) She's not here here right now. So I got to figure out the UPS label printing thing. So uh, that might be the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. (laughs) I think you got it. You got it. (laughs) All right, Jack. James it was a pleasure yes. having you. It was such a pleasure Thank you guys. having you Thank on you so today. much for having me on. Yeah, and welcome to I can't to have you on mine because I have all sorts of questions for you. So okay. I'm so excited for that. Cool. Well, keep inspiring. You are an incredible mentor to so many people. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep leading by example. And um, it was it was truly an honor to have you on today. That was a great interview. I have so much admiration for Jack Carr. Such a down to earth. I did not expect that. Some for some reason, when I think of like an author, I think of you like think they're like snooty. S- mm. Not snooty, but Jack was just like so really down to earth. So really down to earth. Guy. Really sweet. Yeah. And it's cool to hear and and how he's influenced a lot of people right. and like kind of mentored a lot of people. And what what was really awesome to hear um and definitely a takeaway for you guys that are listening is that he had his mindset the visual the visualization and telling himself i mean he already knew he knew before he even wrote the eight years old that he He, yeah he was gonna be an author uh a writer (laughs) and and, seal and yeah and that he knew that he was gonna be new york best time seller um all of it and even the movie and having chris pratt star in it and it's super super surreal he studied his craft he mm -hmm. mastered it and Mm -hmm. he he was ready for the opportunity when when opportunity came knocking he was he was ready for it and he created the opportunity for himself and um you know it's just it's incredible to see what he's doing and if you guys have not if if you're not familiar with jack carr um and the the series that he has out right now called the term terminalist i suggest that you look that up and that you find it uh you're not gonna you're not disappointed yeah uh, I have, I'm driving down to South Carolina this weekend for my first oh, tactical games. Oh, and it's a 10 it's hour drive. Weekend? Yeah, girl. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'll be not, fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. Everything's hey, be you fine. can only go up from Yeah, here. it'll be, a, it'll be a good, uh, definitely a good starting point. Cause I'm doing another one in June, I believe. Oh um, God. so I'll be able to train up and get ready for that. But I'm, I'm definitely nervous I'm for excited. sure i'm more excited we're gonna nervous. live stream it here at american Brewery. <laughs> no, come for no. a watch party <laughs> uh someone's I, actually gonna come and be like where is it yeah um 
it, it'll be it'll be good. It'll be good, and then um, yeah, we'll see. So, <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> um, oh, so my drive down oh, to South okay, Carolina yeah. is like a ten hour drive, right? So I'm so excited because I get to have ten hours uninterrupted uh, with James Reese, the lead character nice. of Savage Son, um, and it's just nice to be able to drive. That's the only time whenever I take trips that I'm I'm able to just play. Uh, play the book, the book. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having the real copy, I, I always it's look nice at them. I'm like, I just want to have like, the like smell the, of books. Yeah, I love yeah. the smell of a good book. Um, so yeah, you definitely have to have to try it. Yeah. So. Um, my dad. This is just like fun, quick story. So my dad, huge reader. Like all he does is read. We have a giant wall in our house or my parents' house of just books. He's all right. It is like he read this like 15 book series. And they're not, like, small books. They're, like, 1,000 pages, you know, a piece, a book. So he's reading this book. It probably has two or three more books in this series. And the author fucking died (laughs) in the middle of this series. (laughs) And he never finished it. So my poor Like, in real life? Yes, he died in real life. So my dad read, like, 15 books, you know, like... Oh thousands of millions of pages whatever and the other fucking dies so and my dad's like to finish it no my oh dad's my like gosh. i just wasted years <laughs> oh my gosh and so we have them still yeah. in our house yeah so eventually you, do you know the name oh my god i should because he bitches about it all the he time still talks he talks about t- it he, like it's like every holiday he brings wow. us up about how he That's read wild. all these books oh and man if I find out, I'll, I will let you guys know. Yeah, but I think story. that was just like one of the funniest things ever. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Dad. <laughs> but James Carr has his series completely planned out. Yeah. So you guys are he's, wor- he's working on fifth and sixth. Right. So it's a full series. He already knows how it's going to end. Yeah. So don't be scared. I'm going to bring you the book okay. next week. I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited for you. It's so it's so good. It's definitely, oh, it's just, it's, there's ah, definitely tough you, parts you, to get yeah. through. That's all. That's really but good you gotta, though. Did you, yeah. Like there's some. Whenever I was listening to it, I was like, my I had to like Your jaws drop. My jaws dropped. I'm like, what? What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Um, okay. Do we have any questions? Or we do have some listeners? questions. Okay. We got Send some it. questions on the wing. I don't know what that voice was. <laughs> <laughs> They're bubbly. Yeah. Right. It's really hitting hard. Um, okay. Um, so this listener is looking for programs. She just did the reborn, uh, workouts Mm. and she loved them. And now she wants to know which one of your training programs is similar in nature to the reborn. Mm. So she can continue her journey. Good question. Uh, look at Horner actual or WTF. Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot. Those are both going to be good. The reborn style of workout, um, either Horner actual, which is more of like a high volume type training. You're doing higher reps. Um, or you could do, uh, WTF, uh, which is going to be a little bit more intense than, uh, Horner actual, but still like a, a great, a great program. Okay, cool. Good to know. Um, another question we have this week, um, about under eating. She, this listener, I always feel like I have to eat less so I can stay thin, but when, I hit the gym. I feel like I'm not performing to mm-hmm. my full potential. My energy and body is low, um, but my mind is like, "Go get it!" Like, do you have any advice mm-hmm. for under eating? Should yeah. I should have the listeners been in a calorie deficit while 
doing the reborn workout? No, you guys need to be eating more calories. That's that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that um, you know you start this finished journey and then all of a sudden you you off you also think that you need to cut your calories. It's it's actually the other way around. Um, you have to feed yourself good calories, um, good clean carbs, good healthy fats, lean proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, the food is the food is not the enemy. Uh, it actually took me a long time to, to figure this out. And once you develop a good relationship with food um, and really focus on, and we've talked about this before, focus on fueling your body like a machine. 100% you can have treats. Lane and I are here. We've had champagne. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all about having the moderation. Um, but you absolutely need to increase your calories. Um, if you have a hard time remembering to eat, some people do have a hard time eating enough I'm that food. Person. You have to have your meals planned out. Um, ordering from a meal uh, prep company like Nutrition Solutions, um, you can get all your meals shipped to your house, which is what I do. Um, I don't eat every single meal from Nutrition Solutions, but I have a box that can last me. You have the um, option. I do, and I put them all in a freezer, a deep freezer, and I always have something readily available that's healthy and nutritious for me. If you are having a hard time getting your proper caloric intake in, uh, have your meals prepped um, or prep them yourself and set an alarm. uh, Every You should be eating like every three hours, every two and a half, three hours and shoot for like six meals a day. Anywhere from like 20 to 25 grams of protein per meal. Um, I personally, if I am doing carbohydrates and if I'm not fasting, uh, I like to get my carbohydrates in the first part of the day. And so the, like my two, three o'clock meal will be the last meal that I have carbohydrates and then I won't have any carbohydrates for dinner. Oh, that's good advice. I hate, I hate eating bread Mm. or any sort of like, you don't have to eat. No, 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 no. I love bread. Don't get me wrong. I love bread. I hate eating. I hate eating bread late in the evening because yeah. I feel like it makes me more bloated than right. the next day. And yeah. I just feel like shit. And yeah. I'm like, I know I'm not this right. size. Yep. yep. Bloat, the bloat's there. I always try to cut myself off by nine for eating. I try nine to get all night. Yeah. Oh, eating in general. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. good, good. I yeah. drink water, you good. know, but you I should. try to cut at least two hours before I go to bed. Yeah. Always. Good. Yeah. I try. I try. All right. Final question for this week's podcast. Um, this one's for you specifically, Ashley, who or what is your biggest motivator in your life? Any Mm. fitness professionals you look to for advice or any people who push you to go further? Mm. That's a, that's a really good question. We've Um, never been asked a question. I've never, I don't even know the answer to Um, this. I really looked up to, uh, Andy Frazella. He's the, uh, CEO of First Forum. Um, but just like even aside from like just first form, I just look up to him as a business leader and, uh, what he has done. So I guess that's kind of in like the fitness realm, but it's not my biggest motivator and influence, um, to constantly just push myself personally is definitely my boys, just my, my family and my boys and, um, everything that I have done and the sacrifices that I've made hands down has, has been for them. 100%. That's like, that's an easy question, but, um, I've never had a mentor before. Mm -hmm. Um, it's something like, I don't think that I'm too young to seek out a mentor. Um, I, I have found in the past that I have a very weird, complex, many facet type like of a lifestyle and just like right. everything that I do. And I think that it's really hard for someone to truly understand and, and grasp what it is that I do. Um, 
and do a little how, bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And how to evolve from where I am now to just to a, a higher, better level. Um, so I would say like, yeah, um, in terms of like somebody that I, I look up to, uh, I really like Jocko also, Jocko Willink. He's a, he's former military. He does like pretty cool podcasts, good podcasts. Um, just lots of, uh, he takes his past experiences in military and just the leadership that he had there. And he's put that into like real life and just kind of like the no quit attitude right. and the mindset. And I, I really enjoy listening to his podcast sometimes. Um, but I don't know him personally. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's probably not really considered no, a, a mentor that or like, uh, something I mean, that I look up to. That's someone that motivates you. That's someone that inspires I, you yeah, I, um, continuously. So I think you can consider that a mentor. I don't think you always need that yeah. person. Definitely. I, I do lean to my, towards my mom a lot. Yeah. Uh, my mom, Your mom's a also, badass. yeah, she also works She's for me. So funny. So, she, uh, you know, she kind of gives me input. Sometimes she gives me advice even when I don't want it. <laughs> That's how moms are. You know, are. I kind of like roll my eyes. I'm like, okay, mom. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, and I really want to have Andy on our podcast. Yeah. I yeah. think that would be fun. I, I have to be pre- prepared for that one. I got to yeah. be ready. <laughs> uh, so that'll be. He's going to grill you. Uh, you no, know. I'm going to grill him. Oh, you're going to grill him. I'm going to grill him. I got like, to get all my questions lined out so I can. That'll be exciting. Yeah. I want to be here for that one. Yeah. I'm definitely have to be here for that one. I'm going to be like. Um, All right, guys. That is it for the Reborn Podcast. If you guys have any questions at all, make sure that you get them submitted. You can DM us. Email us. Email us. Reborn. Send us a carrier pigeon. At ashleyhorner.co. Lena, this is like the third time you've mentioned a carrier pigeon. I want a fucking carrier pigeon to be sent here. Somebody I please. swear to God, if someone did that, I would pay so much money. I'd be like, I'm going to put it. Like, <laughs> I think that would be the funniest thing that's ever happened. Do they happened still have carrier pigeons? I don't know, but I hope <laughs> someone out there is training one just for you, just for me. I want a fucking carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Peace out, guys. Have a great, great week. Um, catch us next time at the Reborn Podcast. All right, guys. We are out. Bye. Peace. <laughs>